and they began to talk. And so they went out and decided we'll just fit ourselves with all the proper equipment. And they bought some nets and some baskets and things to be able to collect some rattlesnakes. And they went out to kind of a remote area and, and looked around for some. They got up on kind of a rock cliffy area where they thought they might live and and they were they were on the side of the kind of the cliff when all of a sudden it, it gave way and they slid down and both of them fell in a big hole. And they realized that not only they were in a hole, but they were knee deep in rattlesnakes. And Bill said, can you believe our luck? And Earl said, yes, we're rich. See, some people only see the problem. I hope today that you're a group that will see the solution. Because the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Another uh, version, the NIV says, without a vision, people cast off restraint. Now, let me give you my opinion of what that saying is. Uh, When people don't have a vision, they go crazy. They lose hope or they have no hope. They get depressed. They walk around and they begin to go, you know what, why am I living? And sometimes people you look at that have entered into depression to the point where they they can't even be talked into a solution, it's because they totally don't have a vision for tomorrow. The future looks bad. The, The future doesn't even have a possibility. Last week we talked about the children of Israel and, and realize at this point in history that they were, they were slaves. The Bible says that they had been in Egypt for 400 years. I don't, I don't think that they were slaves for 400 years, but it, definitely at the end of the 400 years, they're slaves. And when Moses comes with the word of God and says, hey, good news, it's time to leave slavery. It's time to leave Egypt. We're going to have to go through the wilderness, but the good news is God's promise is that we would go to land that's not just good, but it's more than good. It flows with milk and honey. I, I, I like to be in the place that flows with milk and honey. Now, you can be pious and you can be very spiritual and say, you know, I don't really need all. Come on now. If God says, I'm come to give you life to the full, to the abundant, to the overflow, there's a reason that is beyond just you being selfish. And sometimes we get up to that barrier and we can't push by because of the culture that we live in. And we do not allow the word to be true, but everybody else that speaks against that aren't even claiming to be believers to speak into our life. This morning, I want to encourage you to allow God be, to be true and every man a liar that does not speak the word of God over your life. When I read passages in Ephesians, I, I can get excited to realize that, that Paul got this. And, and Paul begins to, you know, I still quote this almost every week, but when Paul gets the, to the understanding that the people of Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, has really come on. I mean, they're really getting it, and they love God, and they're serving God. He says this, here's what I prayed every since that day that I found out that that's where you are. He said this, I prayed that you would get the spirit, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that it would, that light bulb would come on in your, 
and your mind. And here's why. That you might know God better. Why? So that you would realize that the power that lives in you is the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. <laughs> I know sometimes you come to church and you listen, but I, I don't mind in this Pentecost church that you throw out an amen every once in a while and call participation. I know this isn't a football game. This isn't a baseball game. I was watching the United States play Venezuela that's supposed to be the powerhouse of the world classic baseball last night. And let me tell you, I'm sitting in my living room, and we are down by two runs, or three runs, two runs, and a guy gets up from the USA. The bases are loaded and hits a grand slam. And I didn't do this. Wow. Good job. Good job. Wow! Did you see that, Gwen? That was a home. That was Grand Slam right there. Good job. Good job. Good job. No, it, it went something like this. Wow! I didn't care if Gwen said, "Settle down." Who do you think you? She didn't do that. Okay, I'm back. So this morning, I want to. I want you to look at this next. Step into their life. They, they've come out of the wilderness, or they're coming out of slavery into the wilderness only for a window of time in order to go into the promise. This morning, I'm speaking to you on the subject of the blessing working in your life in context with vision in your life and for your life. See, a lot of times when we talk about the blessing and when we talk even, you know, the, the word, you know, nothing missing or nothing broken, shalom over your life. You know, the Jewish people would say shalom, peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. We, we as, as kind of North American Christians sometimes say when the blessing's on your life, you go, oh, so I'm going to get a lot of money. It's, it's, again, the culture that we live. But I'm talking about the, the blessing of God is working in and on us and through us. And everywhere we go, we better the circumstances and the places that we are. Not because of who we are, but because of who is inside of us creating a new identity in us as a believer. All right, all right. Stick with me. In Ephesians 2, 10, after Paul says that you would get the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better, in 2, 10, it says this, that we are his masterpieces predestined ahead of time before the foundations of the earth to be created to do the good works that he set for us. I don't know if you can read this, but let me just say this. Taking paths which he set. Sometimes we get into the place that we don't even want to take the path because someone says, oh, that stuff in for you. taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Now, again, as we're walking this out as a believer, we're talking not about the day that we come to know Jesus Christ, the most important day of our life. It's walking out our Christian life by faith that the blessing of God is in us and on us and through us, everything, our frame of thinking begins to change. Therefore, it changes everything about us, and the ripple effect goes throughout our family and then through the world that we're in. 
you have to be comfortable in going to another level. One time in this morning, I praise God that Christy Beers, our, our, our missions representative that's going to lead our group to our missions trip uh, in August uh, to Honduras, uh, she has been in an airport all day on her way to visit Honduras and kind of set things up for us this morning. But but sometimes you look at a third world country that needs help, and all uh, you know all of North America goes. You know we need to help some countries that need it. A lot of times it's the culture of their thinking that needs to be changed more than just shoveling you know resources at them. We talked to the uh, missionary that we have in Honduras, uh, World Gospel Outreach, and, and we talked about and we come on, come on, Mike, tell us what what's up here. And he goes, you know, there's a joke among the Honduras people that it's like Honduras is a, a bucket of lobsters. And as soon as one kind of claws its way to the top of the bucket and is about ready to get out of the bucket, another lobster will grab it and pull it back down into the bucket. Now, if we as believers don't realize that sometimes that the world that we live in is trying to do that to us. It's easy just to stay in the bucket and say, well, nobody needs to get out. This, But God says, come on up to another level. And in being brave enough to go to another level in our thinking and to understand that we're blessed in order to be a blessing is a, is a whole other way of thinking. To go to another level is really not being afraid to be a freshman in another level. Let, let me explain it. I kind of tried to explain it a couple weeks ago. But you know the level of, of one. And you, you get older in life and you start experiencing things just out of hard knocks. And you go to level two, three, four. But there's a day where you get to the level, you know, nine. And you say, you know, I've reached it. But to go to the level 10 and then 11, 11 is another one on another level. And it's the same thing when you go through life and you're in the Word of God and you're studying the Word of God. And listen, that's why we're walking it out. You get to level 19 and, and a level 20 and you go, woo! And God says, would you like to start over on another level, 21? Come on, keep coming. Sometimes if we're not careful, we, we want to just stay where we are because it's comfortable, it's familiar, it's predictable. If we're not careful, we begin to identify and, and we begin to really define ourselves by our problems in our life. It, it, again, there's nobody here like this, that's why I'm free to use this illustration is that have you ever talked to somebody that defines themselves by their problem? You, you just cringe at asking them, how are you feeling? You doing okay? Because they start at the head of their, top of their head all the way down to the bottom of their feet. Yeah, my earlobes have been kind of tingling and, you know, my, my lips kind of feel like they're on fire some of the time. Okay, that's good. That's good. I'm done.
Everybody can see the problem, but you are anointed by God to solve the problem. Some people get into a problem and they will not face the problem. And another way is to be distracted away from the problem. And, and you can call it escapism because that's really their, their mode of operation. They're trying to escape from the problem. So they try to get their attention and their focus on something else. It, it can be something that seems good, exercise. It could be something of an addiction of, of shopping or a, a drug of some kind. Because we, we can replace the pain for a moment with something that feels better than dealing with the problem. But I'm here to tell you today that God has the solution that's more than just a distraction for a few minutes or a few days. Here's the children of Israel and they're on the border of the wilderness. They've come out of slavery. They have to go through the wilderness they have just experienced the greatest miracle that probably they've ever witnessed. They've seen the plagues and how God has got them out of slavery. But when they go to the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea and they walk over on dry land and the enemy comes behind them, the end of the story, they think, is when the waters crash in over their enemy and they're, they're done. The enemy that you see today, you will see no more. But God didn't say there won't be another problem that will come in your life. He doesn't say that there will be no more enemies that will come in your life, children. But I want to give you a testimony that you can refer back to that I'm greater than your enemy. I'm greater than the problems that you're going to face. I don't care. The, the doctor is a good guy. I'm all for doctor. But he doesn't have the last word. They continue the journey all the way up to the border of the promised land. Now, there's no way that I know where you are personally. But you might be on the border of the promise that God has put into your life, maybe yesterday or maybe it's been a whole lifetime. And you've been struggling with it, wrestling with it maybe even ready to give up. But people of vision can see tomorrow and the next day, and the closer that we get to the Word of God, of what God is speaking into our life, the more vivid and more colorful it is. In this situation, in Numbers chapter 13, I want you to see this because if you want to remember this, Numbers, and it's 1313. Numbers 1313. Can you say that with me? Numbers 1313. Because this week when you open up the Bible and say, well, I need to have some quiet time, and you go, where do I turn to read today? Remind yourself in Numbers 1313, and then you'll remember this message also. In Numbers 13, 13, it says that the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. Did you hear that? Giving. I'm going to give this land to the Israelites. Let 
Isn't it something that we can hear a word from God, but we don't believe it's for us? When you get a word from God, I guarantee you, the enemy always will show up to say, do you really believe that? And put it to the test. Jesus says, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. The storm comes when they're on their way to the other side. Remember that? Don't you, aren't you concerned that we're going to die? I would have loved if Jesus would have said, didn't I say that we're going to the other side? Now, here's where these children, and I mean that for emphasis, they're, they're children. They're on a level one. They have been slaves, and they've been told what to do, but when it comes to being people of faith, they want to see it. They don't want to walk by faith. They want to walk by sight. How are we going to do this? But God says, I'm giving this land to these lights. And then he says, from each of the tribes, send some of the leaders one of its leaders. Now, now I'm going to work on verse 3 just for a second. Look what it says. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. Look at this. All of them were leaders of the Israelites because that's what God had told Moses to do. They were leaders. I'm speaking over your life. If you're 12 years old or if you're 1,005 and you're sitting in here today, you're a leader. Leadership is nothing more than influence, and everybody in here that's breathing has influence in your life, if you know it or not. Each one of these 12 are going to be sent on a mission to give a report of the land. It says in verse, or, yes, verse 23, it says, When they reached the valley of Eskar, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. Okay, so there's actually fruit that is coming from the land. Grapes, pomegranates, and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkar because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. In verse 26, it says this. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. Then they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Now, now, just as a little bit of exposition out of the Bible, the kind of the think about it is what's happening here is that they're going to give a report to Moses and Aaron, but the whole assembly is going to show up. Sometimes what comes out of your mouth you think is only a couple people, but the influence is going to ripple through the whole assembly. I know that a lot of people don't believe that. But it's very important to watch what comes out of your mouth. In verse 27 it says, They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. And here is the fruit. That's when the, the streamers should have went off, the cannons, boom, and they should have started dancing. It's exactly what God said. Let's go. Now watch this. 
please watch this, because in our lives, we can get a word from God and then trouble comes that talks us out of the word of God. We can get a vision for our future. We can get hope. And until we get hope, we don't have faith. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for. So we know that. So God's word brings hope into our life that we can put our faith on and that we don't have to see it, taste it, touch it. And then we have vision that we can see God doing that in our life. But here's what happens. Just a little trouble, a little bad report, a little what if shows up and it bumps us off of what God has planned for us. They had just seen the miracle of the Red Sea. They had just seen the miracle of all the plagues. How many of them said, there's no way we're coming out of Egypt? Pharaoh is, nope, nope, we're not going to do it. Then they were walking out. The Egyptian army is going to kill us all. There's no way. I'm telling you, the sky's falling. And then they walked right through the Red Sea. Then they get up to the promised land and they say, wow, milk and honey. And some of them are even looking for a reason why there's no way we're going in. Don't be that person. Pastor, I'm not negative. I'm just a realist. Baloney. It does flow with milk and honey. And here's its fruit. Then you see that word again that is a lot of times a word that is a precursor to a faith killer. It's a three little word. And it says, but, just but, the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. That's the giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. All they're doing is stating, and they think that they're giving a a report on whether they should go in or they should not go in. That was never their responsibility. Parallel with our lives. A people that are walking in the blessing. And again, through this whole series, I'm trying to get us to change our thinking and the, what frames our thinking. It's the glasses that we see through that we come to the point that says, I'm not lucky. Because everybody's going, whoa, you're a little lucky there. I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. Everything that I have is because of, the, of God's grace and favor on my life. See, if they would have walked in that, they would have said, Let me tell you, those people are big, but boy, I tell you what, the world's going to know that there's a God of Israel. You know why they could have said that? Because years after this, there'll be a little shepherd boy that'll kill a giant that says those very things. He's big, but boy, is he going to go down? Because everybody will know that there's a God more powerful than the enemy that I face today. There's a giant killer. There's a world changer. There's a person that realizes that he is the blessed in verse 30. Here's, here's you got it. You got two guys, really. And this first one is Caleb, and the second one is Joshua. 
And some of you are just being reminded of this story, but I want you to hear it with you in mind. In verse 30 it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up. I, I can hear the frustration of hearing these ten guys going, Uh-huh, uh-huh, they're too big. I'm telling you what, they're too big. They don't have any hope. Therefore they have no faith. And therefore they have no vision which is trying to influence the whole assembly, listen to me, and going crazy, casting off restraint and perishing. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. See, he knows that we is him and God, the creator of the universe that just set them free from slavery, just killed the Egyptian army through the Red Sea, and now can deliver what he had promised into their lives for over 400 years. Do you know, it says, but the men who had gone up with him said, see, the, the, the loudest, uh, a lot of times the loudest voice in the room will get the influence. And that's where we are, everything about the Christian world versus the unbelievers in our country. If we're not careful, the loudest voice will always influence the most. Let me say this. Be a person that votes. Be a person that's involved in our society. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. There, there's not one of them that didn't believe, and it was true. It was reality. The giants were stronger than the Israelites. But when you allow our God to be inside of you, he puts his super on our natural, and all of a sudden it's supernatural what we can do. That's what Caleb and Joshua realized, but these ten people did not, even though that they were leaders. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. They come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Do you realize that a person that loses vision of what God can do for them in the future, all of a sudden they will lose hope in the present. The, the worst scenario is that a person will commit suicide because they think there's no hope. We as believers speak against that in Jesus' name. You as believers have hope. You say, Pastor, I don't have hope. Please get into the Word of God. It is not a, a, a luxury. It is a necessity in the world that we live in. If you get into the Word of God and begin to read what God says about you, we're talking about the creator of the universe that created the things that we can't even understand. It says in Numbers Chapter 14, it, it's, I'm sorry, in, in Psalms 106, it refers back to this. That it says that 
they grumbled in their tents that night. You know, every time I read this, I just, I can't explain what goes on inside of me. These people have been talked almost into going to freedom. They get out of bondage for the purpose of going to the promise. They get to the border of the promise and they decide we can't based on what they can see. Let me say it again. Based on what they can see, they're not willing to believe. Can I just say this? We are believers. We believe that one day when we die, that we're going to a place that we've never seen to spend eternity with a God that we've never visibly seen face to face. If we actually believe that, we can believe that the God that we're going to spend eternity can bring us through the barrier that we're facing. Because God has put the blessing on us for a reason. Pastor, my my business is going bad. My, My children are not behaving. Whatever the problem is, there is no reason for you to lose hope. Continue. To realize that the blessing is, you're not lucky. Every once in a while, you know, things happen and something. You're not lucky. You're blessed. And everything that you have is because of the favor and the grace of God on our lives as believers. They grumbled in their tents. They began to say, you know, I wish we wouldn't have come. You, You just get out here in the middle and we could have been back there eating cucumbers in Egypt. You know the story. They start complaining about everything. Last week I said it, sometimes we just need to quit talking. Sometimes we feel better. I know if I'm not careful, I do. It just feels better to get it out there. Everybody knows that the enemy's stronger. Everybody knows what kind of circumstance. I just want to say, shh. That's where it starts. Because the person that's most important that's hearing you talking is not your wife or your children. It's you. And when it comes out your mouth, these little ear gates into your life are open and they're hearing you say, Oh, I tell you what. God brought us out of Egypt, but they did have cucumbers back there. Now I'm in the middle of them. They're going to kill me. If you read it, it says that they start complaining and allowing. They haven't seen it. But they're allowing their faith to work in the opposite way of believing what the enemy's going to do to them. They're going to put us into slavery. They're going to take our children and they're going to abuse them. They're going to kill us. They're going to take our children and use them as all these other things that, you know, are horrible. I want to say it again because I love this quote. It's not mine. But if God inhabits the praises of his people, Who inhabits our complaining? It says the people that came back with bad reports die within a short time, plague. Then the whole assembly has to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. That's not God's plan. 
God's plan was for them to go immediately into the promise. That there was a window of opportunity because the next day some of them said, well, we, we messed up, we're going. And God said, no, you're not, not with me. And, and we serve a God, listen, of the second chance when it comes to our forgiveness and our salvation. But when we don't walk by obedience in what God has asked us to do, the most horrible thing is to think that that window has closed because we didn't choose to walk by faith when that opportunity came about because of some kind of fear or some kind of you know uh, complaining that led us to a point where we didn't believe that God could do it. And this is actually what happened in their life. That, that window closed. You know, I, I would love to see the people of our church walk in more of a revelation, or let me say this way, more of an understanding that we are blessed in order to be a blessing. That we actually, you know, stewardship is more than just trying to manage money so that we will have more. It's managing money so that we have the ability to bless when opportunities come available. Do you know that there would be somebody probably up here speaking to you this morning in 2023 if it wasn't for youth camp? <laughs> you go, what? I, I, I'm going my way in life, and that wasn't a bad way. I wasn't a bad 16-year-old kid, but, but I went to youth camp. And I was put in a place to hear the truth and allow God to speak to me. And because of that opportunity, I heard the voice of God say, John, I want you to be used of me. I went into the ministry and my life was changed. And I hope somebody somewhere will say, wow, I'm glad he did that because he's spoken into my life. Now listen to this. In, in order for me to go to camp... I'll just be honest with you. Someone had to pay for my camp. And someone was blessed in their life in order to be a blessing in my life. Well, John, you're 16. You should have got a job and you should have got a... Pow! Yeah, I know. But the question is, this morning, you know, Lisa announced at the end of the service, we're going to have a taco dinner. Well, I'm too busy for that. you too busy to throw $50 in that offering plate so we can have somebody go to camp. Pastor, I, I don't know if I'll have enough time off to go to Honduras. Do you have $500 you can put in to send someone to Honduras? Boy, it got quiet. Maybe I should do that if we ever need attention. Shh, no. Anybody got $1,000 to give to me? <laughs> Opportunities remind us that we're not just lucky, but we're blessed. And, and understanding and walking in that blessing, everything that we have is because of the grace and favor of God on our life. Listen, when the past looks better than the future, you stopped going forward. I said it last week, and I'll probably say it next week. When the past looks better than the future, you've stopped going forward. 
God will present opportunities in your life. It's up to you to say, oh, 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 there's another one. Whoop, there's another one. You know, let's act upon them and not just watch them go by the wayside. Again, the blessing gives hope of a good future. And when that hope comes into our life, there's an exciting moment that you go, wow, that could be me. And that hope comes, therefore we can put our faith in walking it out. I'm going to give you three perspectives of people of vision. Again, these are just easy things to, again, practical. When you have vision, it's the God-given ability to see possible solutions in everyday problems of life. If you're a person of vision, if you actually realize that God has blessed you, it's it's let me let me say it this way so that next week I'm setting you up. A lot of times in the Old Testament, you saw the blessing of God upon people's lives, and it's undeniable through money and through resources. I mean, Abraham's rich, Isaac is rich, Jacob is stinking rich, you know, just Joseph is filthy rich. But it's those things as we get to the moment of truth when Jesus enters the earth and begins to walk on the earth that we should realize that those things are so temporal. Now they're needed and God doesn't speak against them. But at the same time, they're temporal. And Jesus brings out a blessing that's more than just um, uh, resources, money, all that stuff. And I think it's immaturely, immaturity to speak about somebody that is more spiritually mature if you got a lot of stuff. And it's immature to speak also on the subject... If you're spiritually mature, you won't have anything. So, so there, there's walking in the understanding that being blessed, get this, what people, let, let me say it again, that it's, it's more easy to understand. If you go up to somebody and say, can I pray with you about something, as I've said before, the three prayer requests, can you help me with my finances, can you help me with my health, can you help me with my relationships? Those are the three things that most people would say, even if they're not believers, but they think that you are a believer and something might happen. Please, those three things. The blessing of God are all on those three things. When you talk about the, your health, I don't need it. I don't need it because I'm health. But the moment you need good health, same thing with finances and relationships. When you talk about health, a lot of times we as uh, Americans don't really, or I don't even know if anybody in the world, but doesn't focus on the subject of health being your mental health, healthness, healing, your mental state, your emotions, your EQ. And it's so, it's so hilarious that nobody really that has ever thought about this 
until the day that they are rock bottom and they go, how did I get here? And someone says, you're thinking wrong. And they go, it wasn't that. It was this and this and this and this and this and this. Yeah, because all of that is summed up in you're making wrong choices because of the way you're thinking. When we talk about us being a spirit living in a body, that we have a soul, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. I'm getting a little deep here, but just stick with me. Straighten it out later. Mind, will, and emotions. When you get your mind around the things of Jesus and what he's saying, all of a sudden there's a healing or a health situation that changes in our thinking. Watch this. Number one is God-given ability to see possible solutions in everyday problems. That we're not just what I've called bird doggers, people that'll point at the bird, you know, They'll point at the problem. There's a problem. But we are people that step up and go, I'll do or I'll be a part of the solution. Not just an opinion, because everybody has an opinion now to solve the solution. But you'll be a solution and you'll be involved in the solution. There are little things that have nothing to do with seemingly spiritual things that you can be a solution in everyday problems. And sometimes people that are not in the position to be blessed by God don't even see them. I laugh at little illustrations that I read constantly in my sermon preparation about one time a, 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 a truck went under a bridge and it was too tall and it got stuck. And there were state troopers out there and there was you know people out there trying to get the solution and a little boy came up and and he said, anybody ever thought about letting the airs out, air out of the tires and just pulling it out? Yeah, we did that a long time ago, son. Thanks for your help. One time I heard about a, a problem of a, a skyscraper and had a lot of people renting offices up and down the skyscraper and they, they came to the the problem, or they realized the problem is they didn't have enough elevators. And it was just taking too long, and people were complaining. So they had to do something, and, and they came up with these possible solutions. Listen to this. One, they, had, they could speed up the elevators or arrange for them to stop at certain floors during rush periods. They could stagger working hours to reduce elevator demand at either end of the day. They could install mirrors around entrances to all the elevators. And they could drive a new elevator shaft through the building just to create another elevator. They chose on the third option to install mirrors around entrances of all the elevators. Now, what is that going to do to everyday problem to solve the problem of not having enough elevators because it's too slow? They never had any more complaints because they began to study people and they'd come up for a long wait for the next elevator and they'd (laughs) look in the mirrors at themselves. And after weeks, they started looking kind of at everybody else waiting for the elevator through the mirrors that they'd put up. And the complaining went down. 
Now listen, those are so little crazy things. But sometimes in our life, instead of looking for the practical solution of thinking, God has blessed me. And, and a lot of us North Americans are so rich with finances, like I've said before, we have little houses for our cars called garages. But, but we, oh, I'm not. We, we've got to stop, start believing that we're blessed to solve the problem. And the anointing is on us to solve these little problems. And when you begin to go into situations and the blessings on your life and it, you bring a, a betterment, just because the Holy Spirit lives in you, all of a sudden people are going, tell me about what you got. Let, let me give you another characteristics of a person that is visionary. They, they have the ability to see beneath the surface of people's lives. This, this is very critical in believers. Because we live in a culture that people are screaming for hope. And all the people can see that are in depression is the circumstances that they are in right now. But you have the ability through the Holy Spirit living and residing. The power that resides in you is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. To be able to look beneath the surface of people. Now who, who am I talking about? It can be that nice little lady that everybody thinks that needs help money-wise or something, you have the ability to know the problem because you speak to her and you've built a relationship that you can help her in other areas and finances. It's also this guy over here that, in all of our opinion, is just not the easiest guy to get along with. But a person with vision and hope and walks in the blessing realizes that there's something going on in his life to create that in him. And you have the time and the whereabout to even create a relationship with him. Pastor, I don't have enough time. You have all that you need and more than enough on every occasion to be generous. The third thing that I want to just bring out is a visionary people have the ability to catch a glimpse of what God wants to do through their life if they just dedicate to Him. That they understand this. This is a visionary person, and you can watch the characteristics begin to play out in a person's life. When, when you see a person of vision, and, and so bad do we need people of vision because the blessing is on them, that, that we need parents that can see beyond the quirks of their children or because they're familiar to us, and their behavior is not exactly what we want. And that does mean even grown children. Another quiet situation there. People of vision will see even their spouses and the potential that lies within them. Business leaders that are in this place, let me speak into your life that you are people of vision that are blessed by God to be able to see those people that work with you. And I think one of the most important characteristics of a person that is a, a person of vision that actually is walking in the blessing is that they see potential in other believers that are here in this church. All of us 
live in a world, and we know that. If we're not careful, we allow the world to influence us. If we're in the Word of God, we know that we are able to be a light unto that dark world. But it is so critical for us to come into this place, and what we do is we meet in our culture on Sundays... And this should be a place that you come prepared not only to be ministered to, but to minister. Amen, Pastor John. I'm living for that. Come on. When you walk into this door, you're looking for a way to minister to somebody. Have you come up with an idea how to do that? This week, begin to think about that. You know, because always people will say, after something happens, oh, I could have done that. But God is saying, I'll give you the ability to do it before anybody thinks or knows that that person needs you because you're a person walking in blessing. Let me end with this. People that have inspired us throughout our history as Americans and people that have been alive for a while is Christopher Columbus because he discovered something that People said wasn't there before him, North America, America. When he got back to Spain, he was going around and the queen was giving him a tour and people were saying, and a lot of them were becoming negative. And at one banquet, the, the story in history goes is that they began to kind of laugh and somebody at the banquet said, well, really all you did was just go a little bit further, some, some leagues beyond what anybody else had dared to do. That, that's all you did. And that's how you discovered America. Christopher Columbus said, let me, let me give you an example. He, he took out an egg and he passed it around, around the banquet table and he said, I want to challenge you to get it to stand up on its end. And so all of them, you know, took turns and they would fall over and it would fall over and fall over and fall over until it got all the way back to him. And he took the egg and he went, and he broke it and it stood up. And they all went, oh, I could have done that. And he said, yeah, if you would have had the thought to go a little bit further than anybody else, you might have also discovered America. Today, God is daring you to go a little bit further. Go, go another little level up. Experience things that you have never experienced before because you have faith in the Word of God to say, you know what, God? If you said it, I believe it. I don't have to see it. I don't have to have everybody at work agree with me. I'm blessed. I'm not lucky. And everything that I have is because of the favor and grace upon my life that God has given me. Let's pray. Father, today you are so generous. Father, your word says that you gave first. You gave your son to die on the cross that whoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Father, we are blessed. And Father, forgive us for sometimes getting so down in the mouth and so depressed that we, we can't see it. But God, we come back to you and your word Father, you are, you are a loving Father. 
in this morning. God, we thank you. This morning, if you're going through something in your life right now, it, it might be from depression all the way to just maybe feeling like you're on the border and you're saying, God, I, I, I need faith for what I'm seeing. It, it's too big for me. Well, just as an act of maybe a uh, point of contact this morning, would you just raise your hand and say, because I, I want to pray with you, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's pray. And you that are that didn't raise your hand, that maybe at this season of your life, you're not at that point, I guarantee you've been there before. So those that have raised their hand needs your prayer. So would you pray with me? Father, today, each one of these that have raised their hands, God, you know exactly what they're going through. God, you have never left them. And God, you will not forsake them. And Father, I pray first of all for your presence to be in their life. That they're reminded that they're not alone. And Father, second, I pray that God, that you would give them hope. That Father, what seems insurmountable, maybe finances are too great. God, the the relationship problem is too strong. or, Or God, the health diagnosis is too bleak. God, whatever it is, God, you are greater than that enemy, that barrier in their life right now. And I speak into our lives today that, God, that you are a generous God, a loving Father. And we pray for provision, the blessing to come upon them. The Father, that they would see a way where there seems to be no way and a path where there seems to be no path. And that the blessing of God would fall upon them so great that they could not hold all that you have for them. And God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, thank you so much for coming to the chapel. A few minutes we'll dismiss and uh, you have an opportunity to give at the back door. We'll have ushers there and you can give tithes and your offerings and being faithful to God. But also you can give a donation. But the good thing is you can give a donation and attend the taco dinner. I don't know about you, but I'm up for some tacos. Also, I'm informed on the fly here that the drive through will be open. So if you're in a hurry, got to get home, you can get you a few tacos on the way. But we want to encourage you to support the youth ministry so children can go to youth camp. At our church, we try again that they don't pay. I mean, that our youth pay something as an investment into their life, but as much as possible, our church tries to help every student that goes to camp, and we'll try to help everybody that goes to Honduras in August, too, so we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Thank you so much. Would you stand with me? Ready? Go get them.